We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app you're listening to kcbs in depth really in order to find quality care you often have to be on a wait list that's months long the people places and issues the bay area is talking about the aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule roe for so long they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up in this case there very well may be charges that are appropriate for example trying to obstruct an official proceeding of congress right that is unlawful this is kcbs in depth At this point, we've been talking about the opioid epidemic and its tragic toll for years now. But more recently, the risks from this crisis have begun to take on a new form as fentanyl-laced pills slip into the illicit drug market in greater numbers and make their way into the hands of young adults. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. When it comes to fentanyl and young people, the numbers from the past few years reveal an alarming trend. Youth fentanyl overdose deaths have been steadily climbing in California for some time, reaching nearly 800 in 2020. And now, according to an analysis from the Mercury News, one in every five youth deaths in the state can be attributed to fentanyl. Well, today on the program, we're gonna hear from some of those who are responding to this crisis. And it is a bit of a heavy topic for this holiday weekend. But it turns out a lot of that response comes down to holding better conversations between friends and loved ones about drug safety. Now, what that means in practice has been stepped-up education at schools, as well as an effort to distribute life-saving opioid treatments more widely. A lot of that work has been happening right here in the Bay Area. And as we'll hear a little bit later on, it's even inspiring lawmakers in Sacramento to take statewide action as well. First up, though, we're going to dive straight to the heart of the youth opioid crisis by giving a glimpse into one family's personal tragedy. For that, welcoming on now, Gerilyn Malvasquez, who lost her own son to an accidental fentanyl overdose Thanksgiving weekend of 2020. Uh, Since then, she's become involved in overdose prevention efforts in Santa Clara County. Gerilyn Malvasquez, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, really appreciate your being here. Tell us a little bit about your son and, and how this happened. Well, uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 2020, he and his girlfriend flew home for the Thanksgiving weekend, as they always do. Um, we had a wonderful holiday the day after Thanksgiving. They had a fabulous day in Monterey, one of their fabulous places. He came home that evening, came in and told us he loved us and said goodnight. 
And the next morning, his girlfriend came over at 3 a.m., went into the bedroom, and I heard her scream. And he died right there in his childhood bedroom, the room he had grown up in. We had no idea what happened. Just absolutely blindsided. A search of his phone showed us that he had contacted a former classmate from Gilroy High School and had asked for a Xanax. And it didn't make sense to us. How could a Xanax kill anybody? Um, and through the course of that awful weekend, we started hearing little snippets about fentanyl, and which I had never heard of. Um, and my daughter, through research, found another young family, another family, a young man, Gilroy, who died eight months earlier from a poisonous pill. And so we found out about fentanyl being laced into counterfeit medication, prescription medication, um, through her post. And up until that time, none of us, not my daughters, not my husband, not myself had ever heard of fake pills, counterfeit pills, or fentanyl. And since then, I've been doing everything I can to warn parents about this poison on our streets because we had no idea, no idea. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for uh, sharing that story. I know it's a a painful story, but I, I think that it's a really important way to start this conversation because it, it contains a lot of the elements that many other fentanyl overdose uh, stories include as well. You know, you talk about uh, the, the the tainted pill, the fact that uh, your son seemed to be totally unaware what he was taking, uh, the fact that this was became deadly uh, so quickly, and and also the fact that there is, as you say, that disconnect in terms of education and awareness about uh, the dangers that are involved here. So. Uh, we thank you for all of that, and we're going to bring you back into the conversation uh, in just a little bit. But um, to broaden our scope now, uh, we're going to invite on our second guest. That's Dr. Veronica Misharikova, who is the director of UCSF's Youth Outpatient Substance Use Program, also an expert in addiction medicine. Dr. Veronica Misharikova, welcome to you as well. Thank you for having me. So as I understand it, uh, through your work, you've been treating a lot of young people struggling with addiction. Uh, How has the rise in fentanyl use changed things? What does this all look like from your vantage point? Yes, I mean, we're definitely seeing the increase in numbers. We know that looking specifically at young people in California, overdose overdose death rates um, increased by almost 50% between 2019 and 22, a larger increase than for any other age group. And as you mentioned earlier, almost 800 young people died from overdose in California in 2021. And when we look at the youngest uh, group among them, the 15 to 19 year olds. In 2019, 94 died from an overdose. In 2021, that number more than doubled at 222. Mm. Um, And so we're definitely seeing this in our clinics and in our hospitals. Some people come to the emergency department after an overdose that they survived because a parent or a friend had naloxone or had performed CPR. We've seen people who survive the overdose but end up with a significant disability, like needing a walker to get around or losing an arm or a leg. Hmm. Um, And, you know, I opened the UCSF Youth Outpatient Substance Use Program in 2019 um, and have seen many more referrals for opioid use over 2021 and 2022. Um, And a few of my patients were referred after experiencing a near-fatal overdose. And... So help us understand what is driving these numbers. I mean, opioids have been around for a long time. What is new about fentanyl and perhaps what is also new about 
the way that it's making it, uh, the way it's being distributed and making it into the hands of young people? Well, we know that uh, the 100,000 people that have died of an overdose in this country over the past year, 80% of those were due to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. And fentanyl, we know, is 100 times more potent than morphine and even 50 times more potent than heroin. So yes, opioids have been around before, but nothing um, that has been as potent as fentanyl. And the other issue with fentanyl is that right now it's everywhere. Um, I've met patients who thought they were taking a Xanax, as uh, Geraldine described, or cocaine, um, and ended up having a fentanyl overdose. And what we're finding is that because fentanyl is so cheap and prevalent and easy to get, many drug suppliers are adding it to other drugs in order to make a larger profit. The other problem with fentanyl that I've noticed in my clinical practice is um, how much young people and their families sometimes underestimate its addictive power. I frequently see young people feeling very eager to stop their treatment as soon as possible within a few weeks or months because they think that you know willpower is sufficient for a complete recovery. Unfortunately, we know that addiction isn't simply about willpower. Opioids and especially fentanyl change the brain in ways that defy willpower or even logic. Um, and unfortunately, I found that most young people who discontinue treatment before achieving, you know, at least three months um, without symptoms of addiction, uh, many of those will return to using an opioid and, and many will experience an overdose again. Yeah. And once again, that was Dr. Veronica Masherikova, the director of UCSF's Youth Outpatient Substance Use Program. This is KCBS In-Depth, and I'm Keith Manconi. We're going to move on now to how local communities are responding to the troubling rise of fentanyl overdoses among teens and adolescents. And we'll be focusing on the work going on in Santa Clara County, where parents and educators have been drawing together to spread opioid education to more families. Uh, to tell us more about that effort, we're going to welcome on now Dr. Mary Ann Duan. She's the County Superintendent of Schools. Dr. Duan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me and talking about this uh, very important topic. Absolutely. Well, tell us more about what you're seeing within the school system in Santa Clara County and uh, how your office is responding. Well, as was mentioned earlier, we are seeing a dramatic increase in the incidence of opioid poisoning and opioid-related deaths amongst young people in Santa Clara County. Uh, we're very concerned about this because um, our analysis of the data suggests that many of the victims, at least initially, do not actually have a substance use or substance abuse disorder. Um, and because of the prevalence of fentanyl in many products and the lack of uh, regulation in the illicit drug market, uh, young people are stumbling into these really egregious uh, incidents that are harming their, their life, their future, um, and setting them up for uh, addiction uh, should they survive a poisoning. And so we're um, approaching this effort in a very multi-pronged way, addressing curriculum, outreach to students and parents, uh, working with our community, and also ensuring that our schools have life-saving Narcan available on school campus. And actually, just as a quick aside, maybe this is a good moment to bring back in Dr. Veronica Masherikova. Tell us a little bit about uh, Narcan, its use, why it is so important in uh, saving lives from opioid overdoses. 
course. So Narcan um, is the brand name for a, a substance called naloxone. Naloxone is an opioid antagonist. So it will remove any opioids that are present on the receptors, on the opioid receptors in the brain, and it can reverse an opioid overdose. So I encourage all of my patients and their families and really anyone to carry some naloxone with you at all times. Because if you see someone who is unconscious that you suspect may have had an overdose, it's a very safe and easy medication to administer. It's usually a spray that goes into someone's nose um, and can reverse that overdose and save their life. Mm, yeah, that's helpful. And so uh, Santa Clara County Superintendent uh, Mary Ann Duan, a lot of the work that has been going on, it sounds like, is distributing naloxone, making it more widely available, and also uh, educating uh, parents and educators uh, about how to use it, why it's so important. Is that right? Yes, it, it's a combination. We are working um, to push out campaigns, awareness raising campaigns about the dangers of fentanyl, its prevalence in our community, uh, the risk to young people, um, how to recognize signs of overdose or poisoning um, so that quick action can be taken. Uh, there are a number of campaigns such as Fentanyl Takes Friends awareness campaign that we're sharing widely in our community. And secondly, we've worked with our school districts to adopt a policy uh, that would allow them to have uh, school personnel trained and uh, also as a means to raise awareness and the use of naloxone so that it can be provided on school campuses in the event that an overdose occurs uh, at school. And my understanding is that that's already become uh, unfortunately useful. Yes, unfortunately, um, we can share that we've had at least two incidents uh, yet this year since we started our project this fall where two young people at their school campus were revived. They were unresponsive uh, students. They were revived with the Narcan that had been provided to their school district. Yeah. Well, just to uh, flag a point that we made at the top, uh, these efforts that are taking place in Santa Clara County are also helping to fuel a statewide response as well. Uh, actually, two separate bills have been recently introduced. I'll just highlight one of them right now. It's coming from State Senator Dave Cortezzi, uh, and it would require schools to make opioid overdose prevention and treatment a part of their safety planning. So a lot of movement in this space going on right now, uh, kind of bringing things back to the perspectives of the three people that we've been talking to so far and what messages they're hoping to get across. Because if we are talking about getting opioid education to more families, uh, more teens, more parents, uh, well, we got this platform right now here on KCBS Radio, uh, hoping to hear from you all, what are the key parts of that message that you would hope more people would be aware of if we had to boil it all down uh, for the folks listening right now. And uh, as we mentioned, it, it, this is a bit of a of a heavy topic um, for this holiday weekend. But, you know, if if this is something that comes down to having better, more informed conversations, then uh, what better weekend to, to do it when uh, folks are together? Uh, so, uh, Dr. Veronica Masherikova, let's uh, start with you. Uh, what are what are the key pieces of information that you think more people need to know about? Well, I think my message to young people, um, as much as possible, is I encourage young people to delay trying substances as long as possible. Younger age at first substance use is probably the largest predictor of whether someone will develop a substance use disorder or be exposed 
to a counterfeit pill that may contain fentanyl. Um, we know that, for example, people who first try opioids um, at age 13 or younger, about a quarter will go on to develop uh, a opioid use disorder. So delay as much as possible. Um, and then two, of course, naloxone, naloxone, naloxone. Um, and if you or your friends are using drugs, make sure that everyone has naloxone, knows how to use it, um, as well as knowing how to get fentanyl test strips to test your drugs um, if, you're, if you are gonna use them. Um, and then I think um, for families, um, my message would be trust your gut. Um, if you're worried that your young person may be um, using drugs, um, oftentimes I feel like your gut is right and trusted um, and tr talk to them openly to see if, if they need help um, and encourage them to stay in treatment for um, a bit longer if you can. We know that staying in treatment for, you know, something like six to 12 months has has better outcomes than, than stopping sooner. Yeah, well, and just to... Uh, flag in preparing for this conversation, I was looking through some of the resources that Santa Clara County uh, has to offer, and uh, I was uh, pretty surprised to see that a lot of the things that you're talking about are readily available. You, you mentioned uh, fentanyl test strips a second ago. Um, those until recently were uh, not legal to acquire in California. The law changed on that recently, uh, and now there are ways to get a hold of them. Uh, the county is also making available uh, naloxone uh, and uh, training for naloxone. So uh, the resources really are becoming available uh, at this point, and that's something uh, important for people to be aware of. Uh, Gerilyn Malvasquez, uh, again, uh, who lost her son to a fentanyl overdose uh, two years ago, um, your perspective, uh, I know that you have been involved in a lot of, of the county's efforts and you've been uh, speaking with uh, other parents, other, uh, with young people as well. What are you hoping that uh, your work will get across to more people? Well, first of all, um, as was just previously said, um, I believe my son probably experimented with these pills initially as a party pill, but he was ADHD. And I think eventually he just used them occasionally to... Um, calm down. He was self-medicating. And I think um, what I need to tell parents and young people is that try to find other ways of coping with stress or mood disorders rather than going to a pill. Because even with Narcan, which is very important, I believe it 100% to have it in school and fentanyl strips, it's not 100% foolproof. Um, the young person that I was talking about earlier who died, three of them, age 17, all were poisoned by fentanyl. Two of them needed three doses of Narcan. Her son did not make it with three doses of Narcan. So it's not always 100%. And the second thing I want to say is the reason I mentioned that is that I think parents need to be aware and young people need to be aware of the devastation with the loss of their loved one. That My family will never be the same. We will not have my son here this Christmas. Uh, after he passed away, our tree had already been up. His presents were unopened under the tree. I mean, this is forever. If you take a pill and it's poisoned and there's no Narcan, it's forever. So I just want to make that message that the devastation is forever. And that's the message I really want to try to get across is that the young people need to know how devastating this is for families if they are lost to one of these poisonous pills. And I think the stories of the parents who have lost their children or classmates who lost friends or siblings is important to hear because I have had young people who've come to me and told me that my story changed their thinking 
on trying pills. Yeah. Well, it's an important perspective that you're sharing, and uh, we do thank you for sharing it with us and also for uh, doing the work that you're doing to share it with uh, many others as well. I know that you have to run, so we're going to thank you for uh, joining the program so far and uh, sharing that important perspective. Uh, We have been speaking one last time to Gerilyn Malvasquez. Uh, Gerilyn, thank you so much. Thank you very much. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Right now we're talking about why more young Californians are dying from fentanyl overdoses and what can be done about it. Uh, Speaking right now with Dr. Veronica Masherikova, who is the director of UCSF's Youth Outpatient Substance Use Program, also speaking with Marianne Duan, Santa Clara County's superintendent of schools. Well, uh, to close things out, we have only a few minutes left, but I want to address the elephant in the room when it comes to drug education for young people, which is that a lot of our past efforts have had really mixed results. Um, Many critics looking back on the Just Say No campaign or the D.A.R.E. program say those efforts relied too heavily on scare tactics and exaggerated stories of drug harm. Uh, And in a lot of ways, That backfired. You know, when uh, many teens realized that they weren't getting an honest picture of drug risks, when they realized that uh, folks were not leveling with them, they decided to disregard the message entirely. And obviously, uh, that's not a good outcome either. So uh, how to make this conversation a little bit more successful? Uh, Well, to answer that question, I want to first hear about how young people themselves are tackling the problem. And so to do do that, we're going to welcome on now our final guest, Avery Calafetis. Uh, she's a high schooler from Marin County who founded the nonprofit Project One Life uh, after she lost her cousin to a fentanyl overdose caused by a counterfeit pill. Uh, Avery Calafetis, welcome to the program. Thank you, Keith, and thank you for having me today. Uh, very glad to have you. Uh, so, your nonprofit is uh, very much focused on this question of 
how young adults like yourself uh, can get opioid safety education to other young adults. It really is a youth-led effort. Um, You've now got dozens of ambassadors in over 20 states, uh, and it seems like a big part of how how you've pulled that off is through social media. Uh, And we can actually hear one quick example of that in uh, one of your Instagram posts. Uh, Here's a short clip. Hi, I'm Olivia. I'm a Project One Life ambassador. My hope is to bring awareness to fentanyl use. So comment down below if you have any questions. Avery, tell us a little bit more about uh, how you're tackling this program, about your work. Yeah, so what makes Project One Life really different from a lot of other initiatives that's the only nonprofit from young adults and teens discussing the dangers of prescription drug abuse and the fentanyl crisis. Um, and like like we were discussing with past efforts using a lot of scare tactics from adults towards teens, I found that one of the best ways to resonate with young people who are vulnerable to both the fentanyl crisis and the opioid crisis in general is from young voices and open and honest conversation. Um, and a prim- primary piece of that is sharing stories as we've discussed, um, which we do an immense amount on our social media um, and with hosting events, as well as coming at it without judgment, which I feel like since the opioid crisis and the fentanyl crisis are so stigmatized, it puts a real block on people's receptiveness to hearing these sort of things and carrying Narcan, um, even if they don't themselves like have issues with um, addiction. So not only do we provide this information, but we're also committed to helping other teens get megaphones of their own and learn how to spread the message. Um, So as Keith said, we have um, ambassadors in over 20 states who are sharing things on social media um, from teen to teen and young adult to young adult on the actual facts of fentanyl and just how devastating this crisis has been. And do you feel like you're finding a receptive audience out there? Are young people, you know, you said finding ways to uh, make this message resonate. Uh, is that what you're finding? Uh, people are receptive? Yes, I I think they're very receptive. There have been many people who've come, come to me completely um, unaware of fentanyl and now run a student chapter, for example, under the name Project One Life and are spreading that same awareness to hundreds of people. If we are talking about how to have these conversations better, a lot of families are probably listening to this right now wondering how they can broach this topic within their own family. What advice would you give to folks? I would give coming into conversation with understanding and a non-punitive outlook and more of a care and concern um, and really voicing that to a young adult whom you think may be struggling um, and coming at it with information and highlighting the facts in that today the drug world is completely different than when parents were growing up than even 10 years ago. It's just a completely different ball game um, and making sure that that point really gets across. Um, but we have a number of discussion guides. They're primarily from youth to other young adults that are great resources. Um, but I think, again, coming at it with curiosity and listening, um, as well as just a lot of care and love. Yeah, we can just flag real quick that folks can find more resources at projectonelife.org. Uh, same question to Mary Ann Duan, again, Santa Clara County's superintendent of schools. How is your office approaching this messaging problem, uh, given you know that messaging to young people is a, a tricky business? It is a tricky business to share messages that can you know be often difficult to understand or accept. 
Uh, and in particular, when uh, some of the young people's parents may have had a completely different experience uh, growing up than young people today are facing. So one of the uh, efforts underway that we have is to uh, really raise awareness about how different uh, fentanyl is than any other uh, drugs that uh, families might have known about or been aware of in the past. And we are also working with our young people to you know, help tell the story. Additionally, we are really emphasizing the need to develop healthier habits, uh, health habits in response to how young people might be feeling. We know there's a lot of increased anxiety that's reported um, by young people today and many other challenges that young people are experiencing and that they want to be heard and they want to have the resources and tools that they need um, available on their school campus and in their community so that they don't feel um, as hopeless and helpless and turn to things such as purchasing uh, illicit prescription pills online. And another dimension of this that has been uh, emphasized is the desire to make this a less punitive approach than we've seen uh, in the past. Uh, uh, Dr. Duan, can you tell me, does law enforcement play a role in what the county is doing? Uh, what, how, how are you approaching situations where uh, a teen may have used uh, drugs? Uh, I mean, is it a rehabilitation approach? What's, what's the approach? Um, yes, thank you for that, the question. I, I think it's really important that uh, we recognize the developmental needs of young people in this situation and that we approach um, support with treatment, with therapy, um, with restorative practices and, and really helping young people um, you know, recover and set them on a trajectory of you know, a good a recovery process. Uh, we don't believe that uh, punitive measures are therapeutic. Um, we don't believe that punitive measures work to combat uh, substance use. And we know that often uh, the young person and their family are really struggling in that moment. And we want to ensure uh, that they receive appropriate care and long-term care. Um, another piece of this is to really advocate for age-appropriate and evidence-based practices for young people. The treatments that may be available for adults in similar situations may not be the right approaches for our young people. And so we're really calling upon our partners in the medical community to uh, engage with us and engage with families to ensure that age-appropriate treatments are available for young people. And in, in closing, uh, Dr. Duan, uh, are, are you encouraged to see these efforts being taken up at the state level? I'm very encouraged by uh, Senator Cortez's bill. Uh, my office is a sponsor of uh, Senator Cortez's bill and will continue to support it uh, through the legislative process. I also just want to leave our community with an important message, and that is expect fentanyl. Do not take a pill that you did not get from a pharmacy. If you don't know where it came from, it is likely going to be laced with fentanyl or be entirely fentanyl. Uh, and so we really want to make sure our community is aware of the risk and the dangers and to ensure that 
that anything they get, even if they know the person who is providing it to them, it is likely to be laced with fentanyl unless it is in a prescription bottle provided by a pharmacist. All right. Well, that is an important point to leave it on. And uh, we are out of time. So we're going to round out our program there. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, to run through the names uh, one last time, we have been speaking to Dr. Veronica Masherikova, once again, the director of UCSF's Youth Outpatient Substance Use Program. Dr. Veronica Masherikova, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And we just heard from Mary Ann Duan, Santa Clara County's Superintendent of Schools. Thanks to you as well. Thank you. And also want to thank Avery Calafatis, a high schooler from Marin County who founded the nonprofit Project One Life. Avery Calafatis, thanks to you as well. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well, have a happy holiday weekend. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.